Good evening. Happy Valentine's Day to you. In case somebody forgot to tell you, I just want you to know you're special to me, okay? And I'm glad you're here, and I hope you've had a good week so far. It's good to see some that are healing up from their sickness. It's glad to have Brother Cecil back. And uh, the Dominies are still gone, uh, still fighting sickness, so we need to be in prayer for them. It's good to have Erica back. She was out Sunday with sickness. So, uh, And Donna, you were sick, right? Yeah, so we're glad that she got over it quickly. Uh, anyways, that's a health report on everyone that I know of, but... Uh, glad you're here and let's have a word of prayer and we will get started father we come to you tonight thanking you for this day lord it is good to be here tonight i pray that you'd bless this time that we have together lord that you'd use it to speak to our hearts that it would challenge us that it would uh, challenge us not just for tonight but in the days and weeks ahead lord when we may struggle with this i pray these things now in jesus name amen well, this evening I'd like to begin with just a couple of thoughts that uh, I know that you would probably be aware of and then you would also be in agreement with. I think you're aware of the fact that last week we finished our study of Hezekiah, and so I'm not going to review how that concluded because it doesn't really tie into tonight's message. So that's what you're aware of, and then this is something that I think you would understand, That, uh, and I'm sure I've mentioned this at some point in the past, but how many of us have ever been reading through the Bible and you read something and it makes no sense to you, and rather than trying to figure it out, you just shrug your shoulders, say whatever, and you keep on reading. You ever been guilty of that? Okay. <laughs> yeah, most of us have, or we'd still be somewhere in Genesis trying to get through that, right? Uh, so, you know, there are just times where you just you can't try to figure everything out immediately. And so tonight we're going to be in the book of Proverbs, and I just want to admit that the verse we're going to look at tonight is one that I've read over, like I'm sure many of you have, many, many, many times. And it's been one of those verses that's caught my attention at different times. And I've thought to myself, huh, that's interesting. Wonder what it means. Don't know. Oh, well. And I kept reading. All right. And so this week, as I was preparing for the message tonight, I was reading and I came across that same verse. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, well, if you don't understand it, dummy, figure it out. And I thought, ah, okay, I'll try that. And uh, anyways, it's kind of interesting uh, what it led me to understand. And I'm going to share that with you tonight, and I hope it will be a help to you. But tonight I'm going to begin with a thought that some of you are aware of because you are in the Sunday school class that I teach. But this evening I want to just walk you through a little bit of the process that I go through each week in Sunday school, very similar to the process that I go through each week with the church service. But in order to teach a lesson, you understand this, you have to know what text you're going to be teaching from. If you don't have a text, you really have nothing to say. All right, so whenever I'm preparing for a Sunday school lesson, for any message for that matter, I try to determine what text we're supposed to deal with, what text we should be looking at and studying and giving our attention to. And then from there, of course, as I've mentioned in the past and done so recently, I've, uh, I try to see the context of the passage. I try to get an understanding of what the passage is saying. And then I want to understand what it really meant for that moment, not just take something and run with it, because you can certainly run with things out of context because it felt good or sounded good. You understand that, right? And so you need to understand what it was talking about in that day, in that time frame, in that era. You need to understand the historical significance of it. You need to understand the context of it. And so once I've done that, I, I try to have a specific point 
where I am taking the lesson where I believe the Lord would have us to go, there is always a designed point to the lesson. Just so that you know, I never go into a lesson or a sermon not really sure where this thing is going to end up. There's always at least a point on paper, okay? So I build the Sunday school lesson or sermon in that fashion, but in Sunday school especially, here is what I try to build into every lesson. I try to build in areas where we can discuss things, where we can interact with one another, and I do that for several different reasons. It keeps the class engaged and involved, or at least that's the goal of it. It also sometimes helps us remember the lesson better if we're actually discussing it and not just listening the entire time. But another reason that I like to include or engage in conversation and interaction throughout a Sunday school lesson is this, is because it is good many times for there to be a different perspective brought to a lesson than just the perspective that I bring with the class and the lesson that I'm teaching. There have been many, many occasions over the years where I have gone to the class and I have gone to the, to, to, and I've begun the teaching process and I know where it's headed, I know what it is I'm, I'm hoping to accomplish with that lesson, and sure enough, somebody comes up with a perspective that I had never thought of, that I had never considered, and more times than not, it's beneficial and it's helpful to hear something from someone else's perspective. The same principle is true many times whenever I'm done preaching on a Sunday or a Wednesday and I'm standing in the foyer, somebody will come out and they'll say, hey, you know what you said tonight, whenever you said that, I was thinking this, and what about this, and have you ever thought about that? And sometimes I've thought about what the person has said, sometimes I haven't thought about it at all, and again, it is helpful and it is beneficial for me to see another perspective of things, so long as the logic is sound, the reasoning is sound, and the doctrine is sound. You understand this, right? If it's just some off-the-wall comment and you're thinking, where in the world did that come from, then that's not really beneficial. But when you can see a different perspective, then it is helpful. And that is true in all areas of life, is it not? If somebody is unwilling to see things from a different perspective, that is someone who doesn't really want to learn and doesn't really want to grow. We have to be willing to see something from someone else's perspective. It doesn't mean that we'll jump on board with it completely, but at least there is a willingness to consider it because it may actually be advantageous to us. Now, I say that tonight for a reason. There was a point to all that, all right? Tonight, we're in the book of Proverbs. Most of us know who wrote the book of Proverbs. For those who may not, let me just go ahead and share this with you. It was written by Solomon, who was the king of Israel for 40 years. He was the son of David, and he was a man who God blessed with great wisdom, with great knowledge, and with great understanding. So understanding that Solomon is the writer of the Proverbs and understanding that this was written thousands of years ago, I want us to think about something tonight. You know this, but I just want to bring it to our attention so that we're all on the same page. But thousands of years ago, the world looked much different than it looks today. We're very much aware of that, are we not? That thousands of years ago, the world looked very different than how it looks today 
People from the days of Solomon could not begin to grasp or understand the way that our world looks today. They couldn't understand the technology. They couldn't understand the resource of information. They couldn't understand everything that we enjoy today. So in their day, it was a much more primitive approach to life, and it would have been very much a different culture, a different setting, a different environment. And part of the difference in the culture and the atmosphere and the setting would have been this, is it would have been a very agricultural setting. Would you agree with this? That it would have been more of an agricultural setting for many of the people because you didn't just rely on farmers somewhere in the Midwest to bring the food to the grocery store. You would have had to have provided much of what it was that you lived on and that you were sustained by. So people in their day would have worked a little bit different than how we work today for the most part. They would have worked many times a little bit more uh, hard or a little bit harder than what we work because it was just a different world that required different things from them. So if it was an agricultural setting, okay, if that was the environment for many of the people in their day, then you have to kind of assume this, that they were probably in general a little bit more familiar with livestock than most of us, right? I mean, you know, like myself, I recognize horses and cows and pigs and goats. I recognize them, but it's not like I have a lot of interaction with these things on a regular basis. So, you know, if I'm driving down an interstate or a highway and I look off to the side of the road and in some pasture there's a horse, I, I know, hey, that's a horse. And if I see some cows, I, I know that. But for me to act like I've got a lot of dealings with these animals, this livestock, that would be kind of a stretch of the truth for me and probably for most of you on a regular basis, right? Yeah. Uh, most of you don't have the pet chickens and things like that. So as you think about that, they were familiar with livestock. They were familiar with farm animals in a more uh, familiar way than we are. They were much better acquainted with it. So in chapter 14 tonight, in chapter 14, we're going to look in verse number 4. In verse number 4, here's what you read by way of the third word of chapter 14, verse number 4. The third word is what? It's oxen. It's oxen. Now, I don't have any dealings with oxen, okay? In all of my growing up days, I've never had any dealings with oxen. So I did some research to make sure that I knew a little bit of what I was talking about. Okay, oxen... And if I'm wrong, don't laugh at me right now. Just correct me after church, okay? But if my research was correct, here's what I found, that ox are a part of the bovine family, okay? Did I do that right? Okay, good. So I'm on my way to being a future farmer of America. All right. So an ox would be a part of the bovine family, and so it would be in that family of cattle and things of that nature. Of course, there would be differences but in their day, an ox, as I said just a moment ago, because of the setting that they were a part of, because of the culture that they were a part of, an ox would not have been just a family pet. An ox would have been a key part of the survival. It would have been a tool, kind of like a farmer today with a tractor or something of that nature. All right? 
An ox was there to help in the process of farming, ranching, things of that nature for the purpose of survival. What would an ox be useful for? Well, among other things, the ox would be useful for the purpose of helping to plow fields. Because an ox hooked up to a plow would be able to accomplish far more than what a man and his family, like his sons or his daughters, would ever be able to do by way of plowing a field, making a garden, or anything of that nature, right? Okay, so I know that we know this, but we're going somewhere with this, all right? So, so you had people in their day who were owners of oxen, not because they were just extremely fond of animals, but it would have been important and it would have been essential for their way of life, for their survival, for their livelihood. And yet here's what we know, and I, I, again, I don't want to be inappropriate in how I say this, I don't want to be crude in how I say this, but let's think about this for just a moment. It seems as though, does it not, that animals of their type aren't really known for being considerate to their owners when it comes to cleanliness? I mean, I don't have any exposure or dealings to oxen, but I have had some dealings with cattle. Very little, but but you know what I've noticed? Cattle, like, never wipe their feet before they go into the next area, Right? They never say, excuse me, my hooves are filthy, I don't need to go in there. They're just dirty animals, right? And if a cow decides, you know, I need to get rid of lunch, what's the cow going to do? The cow's going to get rid of lunch, right? And and you know this, and again, I'm not trying to be weird, just trying to get us to think about this because of where the message is headed. Uh, The bigger the animal the bigger the product, right? You know, I mean, if you've got a little dog, you've got little products in the yard. If you've got bigger dogs, you've got bigger, do- bigger products in the yard, right? Okay, so you've got large animals that are not considerate by way of cleanliness and hygiene and things of that nature, and they're going to make large messes whenever they feel the need to make these large messes. And at night, here's what we would also understand, here's what we would also know, is that the farmer could not just turn the oxen loose to just graze wherever they wanted to graze and roam wherever they wanted to roam because they could wander off, they could get killed by prey, they might get stolen by someone else in the land. And so what would a farmer have to do many times with their livestock in the evening? Well, they would have to put them in some kind of a pen, correct? Some kind of a pen, some kind of a stall, some kind of a barn, something of that nature. All right. So if you've ever been around farm animals, no more than what I've been around farm animals, what are those big, dirty, nasty animals going to do in their pens? Whatever they feel like doing, right? They're just going to be big, dirty, nasty animals in their small, confined space. So if you've ever been around that, if you've ever had any dealings with that, What has to happen at some point if you're a decent person at all? Well, at some point, the pen has to be cleaned out, does it not? It does. At some point, you've got to go in there and you've got to remove all the mess that that animal has made in that pen. 
So if you've ever done that job, if you've ever been assigned that task, I want to ask you tonight, how many of you ever looked forward to having that duty, to having that responsibility on your hands? Sometimes literally. All right. It's never something that anyone would ever look forward to, right? No one ever signs up and says, hey, could I be the one that goes and cleans out the pens? Could I be the one that goes out to the barn and cleans up all the stalls? No, nobody would ever do that. Why? Because nobody wants to deal with a dirty, stinky, nasty job of that nature. And so notice what Solomon said in verse number 4. All right, I promise you there's a point to all this. In verse number 4, Solomon said this, Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. You know what the crib is a reference to, don't you? It's a reference to the stall. It would be a reference to the pen. So what is Solomon saying? He is saying this, when you have no oxen in the pens, when you have no oxen in the crib, here is what you've got. You've got a clean stall. Now think about that for just a moment. That sounds kind of nice, right? For the crib, for the stall, for the pen to be clean because there are no oxen there. Okay, if somebody said to you, hey, listen, you're never going to have to clean that, that cow pen again or that pig pen again or whatever it may be, an oxen pen or the pen of the ox. If somebody said to you, hey, listen, you will never have to clean that again, wouldn't that have sounded good to you if that had ever been your responsibility? Again, of course, it would have sounded good. It's just like kids today. They don't like the idea of going out, going out and cleaning up after their dog. So if I said to my kids or you said to your kids, hey, listen, you don't ever have to do that again, most of them would say that sounds good to me because it's not fun. Okay, but keep this in mind. The oxen were not there just as a pet or just as a hobby. It was there for what? for the purpose of survival, for the purpose of working them like a piece of equipment. So here's what Solomon says. He says, where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but... But what? But much increase is by the strength of the oxen. What is Solomon saying then in verse number 4? He is saying this, well, you need to keep this in mind that there is much increase to be had as a result of the strength of the ox. See, an ox could go out and do more in a day than what a man could probably get done in a month. And if you think about what the ox is able to do by way of productivity, that would be so much greater than what a man could do or a family could do on his or their own, then you think about this, that so much more seed could be planted. Does this make sense? I know I'm speaking over my head a little bit, but you can still agree with me if I'm making sense, all right? If the oxen is going out and turning up the soil that much more than what a person could ever do on their own in the same amount of time, then what is that person able to do? They are able to plant more seed, which is most likely going to result in what? A greater crop and a greater harvest, which means they'll be able to bring in more food, which means during the lean times they'll have more to draw from than if they had not been able to plant as much seed as they had planted during the time of sowing. So the context is fairly simple. You're right that the crib is clean when you don't have oxen. 
But there's a trade-off to this. If you don't have oxen, then you don't get to have the increase that you would otherwise have. So Solomon is writing and he is saying, you got to think about this from a different perspective. Do you enjoy cleaning up all the mess that an ox would leave for you in the pen? No, you don't enjoy that. Is it nasty sometimes? Yes. Is it stinky sometimes? Yes. Is it miserable sometimes? Yes. But what you've got to do is look at it from this perspective and not just the nasty, stinky part of it. And you've got to stop and remember that because of this ox, which is kind of making a mess right now, in the long run, on the flip side of this, it's actually making your life better. But if all you think about is the stinky pen, you'll not think about what the ox is actually producing for you in spite of the stinky pen. Does this make sense? You say, well, Brother Kyle, I've understood that one for years. Well, good for you. I haven't. Now, I want us to think about this and just follow along and, and, and we'll be all right. I want to think about this. As Solomon penned these words, do you think he had farmers with bad attitudes on his mind? I don't know. Okay, I don't have any idea. Maybe he knew some farmers and he got sick of hearing them gripe or he got sick of hearing his, their wives gripe. Yeah, I don't know. Like the farmer did his thing and he made the wives or the kids clean up the pens. I don't know. But it seems to me that the book of Proverbs, though it can be applied in a practical sense like that, it doesn't seem as though that would be the real point of emphasis for Solomon trying to help farmers and ranchers with their attitudes toward ox messes. So what might he be trying to help and what might he be trying to address? Well, maybe the attitudes of people in general. See, because so far removed from where Solomon was and the time in which he wrote this, you and I aren't going to leave here tonight and say, well... So thankful I don't have any ox, I don't have to worry about that. That's not going to be our response, right? Amen. But what we can leave here tonight is doing this. We can leave here tonight thinking, okay, are, are there some oxes in my life that I tend to look at these from one perspective when in fact I probably ought to look at it from another perspective and remember that in the long run, while I don't always enjoy the mess it's actually something that serves my, my benefit and it serves you know, to the goodness of, of my life. And, and if we would remember that, it would kind of help our attitude. Yeah, I think there's some application to be found there. You say, well, well, what do you mean? Okay, let's think about this. Again, just in practical terms. I mean, if Solomon was going to talk about oxen, stalls, and, and you know, manure, uh, we can deal with very practical things, right? We sure can. All right. Ever heard somebody who is a homeowner, say something like this. I tell you what, it's always something when you own a house. Now, we've never said that, right? We've heard other people say these things. We've never heard them, though. They're like the disgruntled farmers, right? And what are they saying? They're saying things like this. You know, I tell you what, if it's not for the hot water going out, it's probably the garbage disposal that's going out. If it's not for the garbage disposal going out, I'll tell you what, it probably is. I'll tell you, the sewer's probably stopped up. If it's not the sewer, I've probably got a roof leak. If it's not the roof leak, I've probably got a foundation shift. And, and you know, it's putting cracks in my walls. And if it's not the shifting of the foundation, the cracks in my walls, it's something else, and it's something else, and it's something else. And isn't it amazing how resentful we can become of that ox in a pen called a house in our name? Now, let's not sit here and shake our heads and act like, no, I never have that perspective. 
I don't know about you, but I'm looking at my house right now at a couple of projects that I know need to be done, and I don't want to tackle it, and I'm almost resentful of the projects that need to be done. Stupid south fence. Say, so how long is that fence? It's too long, okay? It's, just, it's too long. What needs to happen? It needs to be replaced. I don't want to do it. I've got chunks of my driveway coming up, and, and I know what it's going to cost me to have that done. And if I'm not careful, I get an attitude about it. You ever been there? Oh, come on now. Hey, we're there, and we're looking at everything that's wrong. There, you know, Wrong here, wrong here, wrong here. And you, and you know what we're basically doing? We're concentrating on, on, and I'm trying to be appropriate here, but we're concentrating on the manure. And the mess. Rather than stepping back saying, Lord, you know, I, I need to remember this from a different perspective, what this house also provides for me. This house provides shelter for me from the cold. It's hard to remember that when we're changing out the hot water heater, though, right? Or when we're trying to find the leak that continues to tear things up. When we got the snake running down the sewer line and we're making a mess of things, it's hard to remember that, boy, aren't we blessed to be able to have this place to call this home and, and to have protection for our children? And isn't it great to have a place to lay our heads? No, we come into the garage and we're half mad because something's gone wrong and something's not going right and we're, we're dealing with the exact same problem. Have we ever been there? Come on. You know what's happening? We're looking at it from one perspective when we need to stop and view it from another perspective. Yes, it stinks right now. Yes, it's a mess right now. Yes, this is an unenjoyable thing to be involved in right now. But let's look at this from another angle and see what this provides. See what this makes available. See what this does for you. I promise you in a few days, in a few weeks, if not in a couple of hours, you'll be real thankful for this house that you're currently griping and fussing about. We need to get our attitudes right sometimes in the most practical of ways. You ever heard somebody say something like this? I'm so sick of this job. Dealing with these people. You've heard other people say this, right? Yeah. Why do people say that? Well, they say it for this reason. Sometimes jobs stink and dealing with people stink. I mean, sometimes dealing with people is just a nasty mess, isn't it? If we're not careful, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. If they're not careful, you know what they'll do? They'll give all their attention to the mess that the job and the people are making for them. Now, should that attitude ever creep into our lives a little bit, maybe we could learn something from them, okay? But, you know, if we're not careful, you know what we can gripe about? Our jobs and the people that we have to deal with, and all we're seeing it then is from the perspective of this stinks and I don't like dealing with it. Okay, so what do we need to do? Step back and remember what else that job provides more than just a stinky mess sometimes. 
Kind of like that stinky oxen. Okay, if you don't have it, think about what the flip side of it would be. You're not going to have the increase that you would otherwise have. Okay, so think about it. You're griping about your job. You're frustrated about the job. You're tired of dealing with whoever it is you've got to deal with. Okay, I understand it's not the most desirable position to be in right now. But ask yourself, what if you didn't have it? What kind of position you'd be in? See, if your world's anything like my world... You're still going to have to make a house payment this month. So what do you kind of need? That job that you're frustrated with right now. And you're probably going to want to pay some utilities, right? No, I don't care. It's coming up on spring. We'll be fine. Yeah. I don't think so. You'll be glad you had a job that paid the bills for your utilities, right? Maybe not true of everyone this week, but how many of us have gone out to eat and spoiled ourselves a little bit this week? You know, maybe we stopped by the donut shop and got a donut. Yeah. Maybe we took our wife out to a Valentine dinner and, you know, we just tried to treat her a little bit special. Or maybe we said, I'm taking myself out. Whatever it is. How, how were you able to do that? Was it with that money that just appeared out of nowhere? No. It was the result of a paycheck that you got from what? That dirty, nasty, stinky job that you have to deal with sometimes. You know, I needed this message. I don't know if you would need this message at all tonight or not, but but I needed this message because, you know, sometimes I don't always like dealing with people. Sometimes my smile is fake. You You shouldn't say that. I'm just telling you something like this stinks this stinks yeah this stinks all right yeah this stinks all right yeah amen yeah hey i'm sure glad to hear from you yeah you know what i need to be reminded of i'm blessed to have it it really is a blessing and 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 just in case you ever should struggle with your attitude towards your job just know you're blessed to have it and if you don't believe it just quit it without having one and see how happy you are in a few days Yeah, you're right. The crib is clean without an oxen, but uh, you'll have a lot better increase with the strength of that ox. You know, the job may stink, but you're going to be real happy come payday that you stuck with it. I'm going to throw a couple more out here just because we've got the time and I think it'll be helpful for us. And and, and I know you're enjoying this. Let Let me ask you something. Have you ever heard anybody gripe? I don't know why I'm even asking. I know this hasn't happened. But have you ever, in the past, have you ever heard anybody gripe about the community of Pampa? (laughs) Pampa this. Pampa this. Pampa that. I tell you what, Pampa. You ever heard anybody gripe? Is Pampa kind of a dirty ox stall sometimes? Yes, come on. It's a dirty ox. Stall. Sometimes. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that Pampa's perfect, that Pampa is like, you know, of all the places people could dream to move to, it'd be Pampa because of the great central location to the rest of the United States. Come on. We're not going to fool anybody with that kind of an attitude. But have we ever stopped to think what Pampa does provide as opposed to what we could be lacking and longing for if we were living someplace else?
I mean, I don't know about you, but every time I go to a big city, I come back saying, thank you, Lord, that we have no traffic. I took Nathan to breakfast yesterday morning, and on the way to taking him back to the house, I had to wait on like seven cars, okay? And I said, man, it's busy this morning. And then as soon as I said that, I said to him, uh, probably people from Houston would disagree with my opinion. You think about it. We don't have to deal with traffic, except at that one intersection that we try to avoid because we've really become taters, you know. That's a busy intersection. You can get stuck there for a couple of minutes. Okay, right, a couple of minutes. Let's, Let's keep all this in context. Let's stop griping. I know it may not seem like much, but we've got three grocery stores to choose from. Yeah, but one of them's Walmart. You'd probably go to Walmart in a big city if you lived in a big city. We don't have just a a huge measure of violent crime in our area. You know, it's pretty easy to live well here in town. You know, I look at what my house cost here in Pampa and what it would cost in one of them their big cities, and you know what I'd be living in? I'd be living in a much different home in one of them their big cities. We've got restaurants. Yeah, they're all owned by that one family that keeps all the other restaurants out. Come on. Are we, are we being honest enough? We've got places. Hey, if you went out to eat probably this week or in the last month, and you were probably like glad that you were able to. Amen. And, you know, I mean, really, if you think about this, we're only like an hour from one of them big cities. You know, we can get over there pretty quick and we can escape the small town feel of Pampa and we can enjoy a larger environment and we can get in the midst of traffic if we want to on a Saturday and we can get mad and we can have all sorts of fun if that's what we need to do to enjoy ourselves. You know, I think sometimes even just in our day-to-day lives, we pay more attention to the mess in the stall than everything that's provided for us. You know, I've had to remind myself before, this has been a pretty good community for me to raise my family in. The community's been pretty good to me. I I really don't have anything to gripe about other than the fact sometimes there's a mess in the stall. But we just get so wrapped up in the mess that we don't want to stop and think about everything else it has provided and does provide for us. There are people who would love to not have to drive an hour to get to a grocery store. You know, it's just things to think about. Say, so this is far too practical. Solomon was writing about oxes and pens. I think it's okay if we talk about this. Sometimes if we're not careful, you know what we do? We start looking at our church family. And we can start picking it apart. Well, this person does this, and this person's weird, and this person's odd, and this person just kind of brings a different vibe to things. Right, right, right. And, and so do you. And let's just be honest. We've all messed in the stall before. We, 
we've all contributed to the mess at different times with our attitude, with our responses, with our spirit, with, with just different things that, that we're doing. And if we're not careful, you know what we'll do? We'll start picking apart everything that's wrong rather than reflecting on what this church might actually provide for us. Well, it doesn't have this program. It doesn't have this. And, you know, I just get tired of this. And, you know, sometimes Brother Kyle says that. And sometimes Susie says that. And, you know, and then there's that one church member. Okay, stop all that and remember what is available because of the church family we've got. I'm not suggesting for a moment that we're a perfect group around here. But sometimes we need to change our perspective. And so tonight whether it be a home, whether it be a job, whether it be a community, whether it be a church, whether it be a friend that gets on your nerves sometimes, whatever it may be, you know what we need to stop and do? We need to stop and change our perspective more times than not. Because no matter where we go, no matter what we do with our lives, you know what we'll have to deal with? Oxes making messes in stalls. So rather than getting all bent out of shape over that ox and that stall, we need to just step back and say, Lord, thank you that I've even got this opportunity to have to deal with this. Not because I enjoy dealing with this, but because of long term what this actually provides me, what it makes available to me and to my family, whether it be from a monetary standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, from a convenient standpoint. Sometimes we just need to step back and have a different perspective and say, Lord, thank you that what appears to be a mess actually provides me with so much more and blesses me with so much and if we get our perspective right, we get our attitude right. And when we get our attitude right, it's amazing. We stop griping about the mess. And we start expressing thanks for like his goodness to us. Just going to ask you real quick and then we'll be done. Have you found yourself griping any in the last week? I'm not saying you have. I'm just saying have you found yourself griping any in the last week? Now, if you had to be honest and you know, say, yeah, I've been gripey a little bit, and yeah, I've been focused on this, 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 and this, just ask yourself, is there anything good that could possibly come from the thing you've been griping about? Well, if so, why don't we focus on that rather than what we perceive to be the mess? Make sense? All right, let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to just take a very practical approach with this passage and how it can apply to our lives. Lord, it is so easy for myself and I think for others to get caught up in the mess, to get caught up with the task, the responsibilities of dealing with, with the messes that we think other people are making, and Lord, we lose sight of the bigger picture. So I pray that you'd help us tonight to look at that from a different perspective, from a different angle, and to be helped by it. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.